Oh, the video, okay, video is up. Hang out is live. Good evening, everyone. Welcome. We're broadcasting live sometime in February. Uh, interestingly, today we were just talking about filial piety. When Buddhism went to China, it was, a, of course, a big deal at the time. Uh, the other religions in China, Confu Confucianism, no, was very much into filial piety. And so uh, they had actually adapted the teachings and said things like, uh, uh, claimed somehow that the Buddha um, believed filial piety was the way. So it really, really blew it out of proportion. So we were talking about that, and we addressed the question of, if filial piety is so important, how do they justify becoming monks? And there's actually a defense of it, that filial piety, it, it is respect for your parents to become a monk because you're uh, working to liberate, you're working to, 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 the, to attain the ultimate state, or, or even more, you're working to help others attain the ultimate state, um, working to better the world. which in fact um, is an early teaching as well in the text that we follow. Um, there's the idea that becoming a, a monk or even practicing meditation is actually of great benefit to your whole family and in the most obvious sense because it changes your relationships with them as you become more peaceful more content, more compassionate, and so on, more loving. Here we have a quote today about this. It's actually quite a strong, strongly worded quote. Some people might find it objectionable. Um, especially those who have bad relationships with their parents. And I can understand that. Um, again, the Buddha is most often not so much prescriptive or... Um, I don't know what the right word is, but it's not about denouncing people who have uh, familial problems. But there is a sense that when parents are looked up to. And it doesn't mean unworthy, you know, whether they're worthy of it or not. Although there is a sense of it being good order and, and good um, proper etiquette and useful for the order of society to, to respect your parents regardless of whether they deserve it. But I think there's much room to say that part of the greatness is when 
parents do deserve it, when parents do act honorably and do shelter their children, care for their children, teach their children, act as a good example towards their uh, for their children. But definitely children. Um, I've argued with people in the past. Uh, about this idea of, of whether we should feel grateful to our parents. And their argument was that, well, my parents, uh, my parents wanted to have me. I didn't choose to be born, right? It was their choice. Now, Buddhism doesn't actually believe that. It's interesting. It actually is our choice to be born. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a joint effort. Parents have to have sexual intercourse. And oftentimes are aware that it's going to lead to pregnancy. Uh, so it is partly their fault. But without us being keen to be reborn, there wouldn't be rebirth. But more importantly, it, 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 it is quite besides the point, beside the point who made the effort. Like if someone does a nice thing for you without you asking, uh, does that mean you shouldn't feel grateful if it helps you? So if someone tries to do a good deed and you don't need their help, that's one thing. But uh, if you say, well, my parents wanted to look after me, they wanted to do all these good things, it's really beside the point. If I want to do something nice for you when you need it, it uh, doesn't mean you shouldn't feel grateful. And this isn't a, a, a logic. It isn't, it isn't about logic. It's very much about karma. When someone does good things for you, when they care for you, uh, this changes this changes the the scales, tips the balance. <laughs> it's funny nowadays we uh, you often have people who don't like it when others do good deeds for them. And as I've talked about, this can be karmically based as well, uh, because they haven't done good things for others. But the fear that I've heard is uh, there's a sense that if I do something for you, then I'm going to owe you something. I'm going to have to do something. If you do something for me, I'm going to have to do something back for you. You don't want me to do because there's always strings attached. Um, which is really a shame, but... I mean, it's a shame that people don't want to do good things for others, right? It's, it's kind of what it sounds like. But um, part of being a good person, something that we don't talk about, part of being a good person is being able to accept uh, good deeds that other people do for you. So allowing other people to help you. Why I think I can say that is because it ties in, again, ties in with karma. If you've done good deeds to others, if the only way you can be comfortable 
put it this way, with other people doing good deeds for you, is if you've done good deeds for others, or if you're a good person. A person who's not uh, of a wholesome mind will have a, a lot of trouble accepting good deeds from others, which is fine, you know, that, I mean, it's not fine, but it's understandable. Most of us are going to be like that. We're going to be uncomfortable because we haven't done, if you haven't, if you haven't engaged in actively seeking out and, and dedicating yourself to a life of good deeds, um, it's hard to accept gifts from others. You'll find it viscerally. I mean, again, it's not logic, it's not reason. It's karma, it's, it's the world. So when people do things for you, it does tip the scales. Uh, and it is something to be, you know, that ordinary people will have, you know, rightly should, should not fear, but it's something stirring. Like, yeah, you will owe them. Not, not because they think you'll owe them, but it changes this, it dips the scales. I think it's fair to say that. I think it's fair that we, the only rational way to deal with that is to go crazy doing good deeds, you know. Someone helps if someone helps you feeling grateful, for sure, uh, and oftentimes working to um, settle the score. I mean, it does sound kind of cold and calculated, but I don't think it need be. I don't think it should be. Because if it's just to settle the score, it's not really a good deed, right? But I guess that's the thing. If I do something good for you, to you out of the goodness of my heart, and you say, Oh, I don't want I don't want to owe this person something, so I should pay them back. You're not doing it out of the goodness of your heart, so you still haven't managed to even the scales, right? It has to be because you want to, it has to be because you out of love, out of compassion. It's quite scary actually. I think about it. It could be quite scary if you're not prepared to do good deeds for others. It's kinda of funny. Ordinary people should be afraid of good people because they're good when they do good deeds. No, it's certainly not like that because it's not something that you actually have to think about. It just means you'll have a, a relationship with that person. And if you're not a very good person, you're going to end up in a position uh, where the, the best thing you can do is to help that person. I mean, it's just karmically talking. So... Why I'm talking about this is in regards to our parents, because it really is that way, and you find that when you meditate. Meditators often miss their parents, if they have a good relationship with their parents. If they have a bad relationship with their parents, it's going to hit them hard. If their parents have been abusive, it's it, 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 not, not that, and I'm not saying that they will eventually learn to, to respect their parents. I mean, if someone's abusive, that's not something to, to, to brush off. Uh, or to ignore, but I would still say that will hit them hardest because you know, if a stranger is is abusive towards you, that's one thing. But your parents, right? It's it's so much more, uh, more more deeply embedded in the heart. So in all ways, it's it's one of the parents or one of the. Uh, hardest things to deal with in meditation and as a result it's good to make sure that before you come to meditate you have a good relationship with your parents if not then expect to have to deal with it during your meditation and deal with it I didn't have a very very good relationship with my parents when I started meditating and 
as a result, I remember walking out of my... I, remember, I started crying. And uh, someone found out, and they called the teacher, and the, one of the teachers came to my room and, and opened, knocked on the door, and I opened the door, and she said, what's wrong? I said, I miss my parents. <laughs> and she was, oh, very good, very good. That was, uh, that was a sign of... She said, that's right view. I mean, it is. It's something coming up from your meditation. Naturally. I mean, I hadn't thought about my parents. I had no thought that this was going to... Uh, they, they were going to play a part in my meditation at all, but I'd done, I'd done a fairly acrimonious relationship with my parents at times. Uh, a lot of people talk about that. So, <clears throat> I think that gives some insight into why this quote is saying what it's saying. How, how when parents are respected in the house, that, that is what it means to worship the gods, to worship Brahma. Worshipping your parents is worshipping Brahma. And it's kind of a, a dig at Hinduism as well. Like the language, the, the or, or Brahmanism, the religion of the time, uh, because they worship. You know, they were talking about God and the yada yada. So the Buddha is saying, you know, real God, people who are really gods, because they do create you, right? In a sense, they create your body, uh, and they do answer your prayers, answer your wishes. This is if they do again, but for many of us, they do, and they have for many years. That's God. Right? That's what God is supposed to do. They're powerful. They have complete power over you right? when you're a child. Uh, and they exercise benevolence if they do, as many do. They care for you. Many of them do. So if that's the case, if they do care for you and they are um, benevolent and so on, then that's like Brahma, and they should be worshipped. And if they are worshipped, uh, you know, maybe not as gods, but there is a sense that your parents are holy for that reason. Isn't that funny, no? Parents are more, more like God than God is, because, of course, any gods that there might be, they don't spend much time, obviously, they don't spend much time worrying about humans, no matter what the theists say. Apparently, you have as much... Someone was saying you have as much... Statistically speaking, or, or uh, they've done experiments on prayer, and you have as much. Uh, I mean, it's kind of funny, I guess, but uh, what is it? You'd have as much success praying to a jug of milk as you would praying to God. That was the quote, I think. But uh, to your parents. In cases, you know, there are parents who love their children so much that they do pretty much, well, they do many things for them, whatever's in their power to make them happy, that kind of thing. So again, not a, not exactly a deep teaching, but I think I've touched what I've touched upon shows that it's interesting for meditators. It is a part of the meditation that our relationships with people will come up. You have to deal with them, and a good way to deal with them is send love, ask forgiveness, just as a mental note after you meditate, even during your meditation. Obviously not to make it our, co our core meditation, we're focused on insight, but insight will, will evoke these feelings and 
dig up old emotions, that kind of thing, old bad things we've done, things that have done been done to us that we still carry around as a grudge. And it's important we work them out. Doesn't mean we have to do, we have to pretend that our parents are gods if they weren't godly, or holy, or worthy. But uh, it doesn't mean we should work out, especially since we have a very deep and long-standing relationship with our parents. And work them out may just mean to let them go and to move on. Stop obsessing over the bad things they've done to us, if they've done bad things to us. So, there you are. That's the quote for this evening. And I've got four people join me in the hangout. Welcome, everyone. So that's all for the Dhamma for tonight. So you're welcome to go home. If there's any questions, I'm happy to answer them. Only on the hangout, though. So that means you got to join the hangout and ask me live. That's the new new rules. You guys can go. I've got three, uh, three people sitting here as my audience. Record, record numbers. Record turnout. Oh, I don't think I have audio. Just a second. My computer's doing all, something really weird. Just a second. Every time I load up, I have to turn on the volume. Now I should be able to hear you. I should be able to hear you. You should be able to hear on hear each other on the live stream. Testing. I don't have a question, Bonte. I have a question, Bonte. All right. Let he or she who has a question speak. <laughs> okay. So it's kind of uh, it's it's not really a, a complicated question. It's just I was thinking about um, those people today. Um, who are like prolonging old schisms and uh, um, would they as well go to like uh, the deepest hill or how, how is that? Um, or are they just twisting their own minds in, the, in like a, in the bad direction? The people who what? Who cause schisms? Well, I mean old schism and old schisms and then they hold to them and prolong them. So they're like uh, clinging to them, so like keeping them around. I see. Are you thinking of specifically of Buddhism? Yep. Like like Mahayana, Theravada, all that stuff. Yep. Well, I off the top of my head, it doesn't sound like it because they've been told this is Buddhism, right? Yeah. So if if they were presented with inconvertible true, inconvertible, incontroversial, incon there's a word that means non-controversial, um, you know, unable to to like, like absolute proof, or or maybe overwhelming at least proof that that this was not Buddhism or this isn't what uh, this is lies. Say if they could if they found something, oh, this is lies, and they still held to it, uh, then I'd say I'd say there start to be a problem. But it's quite different from a, a group being in harmony and following the Buddhist teaching, and then breaking them up. You know, that's the big deal, because that destroys Buddhism. Yeah, I see. Okay. I mean, what we, the, the, the 
so there is work, and it is good work to try and bring Buddhists of all kinds together and find our commonalities. That that seems like a good thing to do, without um, accepting what we'd consider wrong view. <clears throat> but um, you know, I, I don't think it's 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 schism schism schismatism. Uh, to perpetuate what one understands to be Buddhism as Buddhism. It's unfortunate uh, that, that some of what is not Buddhism gets from... Like, we're, we're learning a lot about in China... Uh, take this, for example. In China, they put words in the Buddha's mouth. Like, it's pretty clear they just... Because in order to uh, for their views to gain legitimacy, well, the only legitimate source of Buddhism was the Buddha for many schools, well, for most of us. Uh, and so they just wrote things, like, clearly, as I said, like, they, they put in the Buddha's mouth, like, right after he became enlightened, he was sitting there and he said, filial piety is the way. To, is the way. I'm uh, like, <laughs> it's like, well, that, that's so Chinese, right? Uh, definitely not what the Buddha said. I mean, pretty clearly, we don't actually have proof, but pretty clearly came from China. And and that's bad. I would say that whoever did that, bad. Now, you could argue that maybe they didn't really have a sense of who the Buddha was, or maybe they thought everyone did this. Maybe they thought, well, the Buddha is just an imaginary figure anyway. He didn't really exist. And people think that. Then they would think, well, it's all. So then it's all right. I'll just make up my own stories. They have their stories from India. I'll make my stories about the Buddha. It's just stories. Um, so you could argue that that there wasn't malevolent intent, or there wasn't the intent. Like it's not like putting quotes in Gandhi's mouth, who we know did exist, right? Um, so that that could be a mitigating factor. But as a Buddhist, is a I would never do that. Put words in the Buddha's mouth. Okay, thank you, Bhante. Welcome. So who do we have? Tom? Yes, Bhante. Simon? Yep. Lisa? I don't know Lisa, do I? And Douglas. Do I know Douglas? Ooh, Lisa and Douglas. Do you guys have mics? Why are you on the Hangout if you don't talk? Hello? Hi. I'm Doug. Hi, Doug. Hi. Oh, is that, that's not Doug from Australia, is it? No. No, I'm, this is my first time. Okay. Do you have a question? Uh, sure. Um, I'm, I have a question about meditation. Um, I, I have a lot of um, intense anxiety at work, and I've tried meditating during my breaks at work, and I try mindfulness and breathing. Um, but my anxiety uh, and maybe my adrenaline is, is so high that I don't seem to calm, be able to calm myself down with my mindfulness of breathing. 
Is there another? Don't, don't use mindfulness of breathing. Okay. Look up. I mean, if you want, uh, don't recommend it because it's samatha meditation. Oh, I don't know. Depends who you ask. Okay. Uh, you want my advice? Because you're asking me, so I, yeah. I'm allowed to be partisan because you've asked me. But just know that I'm being a bit partisan when I say, don't use that. Uh, look up, as you're asking me, look up Yutta Dhammo and it up as well and make sure. Okay. Removing anxiety completely, meditation for anxious people, and there's three right there, the, my first three results on Google. Okay. Um, I mean, I could go over it again, but it's all been said. Um, I mean, basically, the basic thing is it's not... Let me see. Um, anxiety is both physical and mental, and the physical aspects aren't anxiety. Anxiety isn't the physical, but they bounce off each other. So being anxious creates physical physical experiences, physical effects like this butterflies in your stomach, the heart beating, the tension, etc., etc., headaches even. Yeah. Uh, and that makes you anxious because you say, oh my gosh, I'm anxious. You're not actually. Anxiety is just a moment. And then, then there's the, the physical experience, and then you get anxious about that. I was even realizing that, um, you know what makes you anxious? You get anxious that you're going to be anxious. Yes. You think about something and say, oh, I can't, I'm going to, what if I, you know, you say, what if I freeze up? Yeah. Right? I have to go and talk, give a talk. Oh, man, am, am I going to mess it up? Am I going to, you know, freeze because I'm so anxious? And that makes you anxious. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's the snowballing. And insight meditation breaks that when you're able to, to note anxious, anxious, or note, then note the physical as well. I mean, watch those videos that I've done. I'm okay. sure one of them is good. On, on YouTube, did you say? Or? Yeah, well, just Google Yutadamo anxiety. Okay. I've also got just a shameless plug, uh, video.sirimangalo.org. Okay has all my video, many of my videos categorized. So under mental, it's probably under mental issues or something. Mental issues, there's anxiety. That someone in the hangout in the chat has already put something up. No, nobody. But yeah, look up. If you ever want, if you're ever looking for something about a specific subject, I don't see anxiety there. Panic attack? Is there? I don't know. I'm I'm guessing for no, another name for it. Yeah, it's funny. I'm surprised there isn't one. Well, we better add it. Maybe it's in a different spot. Health. Okay, well, you can Google it anyway. Okay. Thank you. Oh, and under fear. Okay. It's all lumped under fear. It shouldn't be, probably. But there's, yeah, the, so the videos are all under fear.
something's broken. Okay. So did that answer that did answer like it was just about anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. And what type of meditation I could use. And so, right. so, so yeah, use read if you haven't yet, read my booklet on how to meditate. Okay. Um, yeah, maybe that's even better than the videos that I did because if you haven't read the booklet, that's where you got to start with this community or with with talking to me. Okay. Um, it, it's it's not so much doctrine as it is giving you meditation uh, techniques. Okay. Use. But then specifically watch the videos on anxiety because they're also very practical, explaining how you'd use the technique to deal with anxiety, which is an interesting case. Because, as I said, much of it is physical when we think it's all anxiety. We think, I'm anxious. But a lot of it is not anxiety. A lot of it is the physical effects of anxiety, which then perpetuate the cycle. They make you anxious. Oh my gosh, I'm anxious. And you get more anxious. Mm -hmm. What about Lisa? Who is Lisa? Lisa has no mic, I guess. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for actually joining the Hangout. Good. To Thank you, Bonte. See people here. I guess that's all for tonight. Good night. Good night. Oh, uh, just a, sh a shout out to thank everyone. Oh, I don't know if I can even say that. I can't actually. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> I can't even say thank you, I don't think. <laughs> anyway, good night. Good night. Thank, thank you all for being so, so supportive of our community. I can say that. It's really awesome. I mean, it looks like, oh, I did mention it, didn't I? I mean, it looks like we're. We're, uh, we're 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 moving ahead. So good night. Good night, Bonte.